Hello everyone. Hi, Sheree Johnson Moore here, your hope builder, lifting you out of your sorrow, okay, by guiding you to see the Christ within through scripture and practical applications. It is time, it is time, it is time. It is time for Arthur's Extra Sunday. And today's special guest, we have Brian W. Smith. And his book is entitled, Voodoo, A Sleepy Carter Mystery, book number six. We want to have a good conversation with Mr. Brian. Mr. Brian, he is the author of 37 novels and screenplays. And we want to gleam off of what he has to say about his book, about the publishing business now these days, and how you can turn your book into a screenplay, to an adaptation to a screenplay. I really like to know about that one. So come on, y'all. Let's get busy and come on and let's gleam some information from Mr. Brian W. Smith and I want you to enjoy this episode. Come on now, let's do this. Hello, 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 everyone, everyone, everyone. Hello, my name is Sharice Johnson-Moore. I am your hope builder, and I want to welcome you to this episode of Authors Excerpt Sunday, where we give the author the exposure that they need. Want to tell the world about your book, You Can Appear Here. My name is Sharice Johnson-Moore, your hope builder, lifting you out of your sorrow by guiding you to see the Christ within through scripture and practical applications. Welcome to Arthur's Excerpt Sunday. And today we have a special guest. His name is Mr. Brian W. Smith. Hello, Mr. Smith. How are you doing today? I'm fine, Sharice. How are you? I'm blessed. I am blessed. I am blessed. Well, Mr. Bryan has this very experienced life. Mr. Bryan is the award-winning, best-selling author of 37 novels and screenplays. His novels has have appeared on numerous bestsellers lists, Dallas Morning News, Amazon, Target, retail stores, and others. He has also ghost-written 20 novels, memoirs, and nonfiction books for other authors. 
He also has signed, he's also signed to Simon and Schuster, and that was in 2011. Mr. Bryan is the founder, president of Script Repository. It is is a company that specializes in in advertising and adapting novels to screenplays. For more information, go to www.screenrepository.com, along with writing novels and screenplays he finds himself and he does for himself and others. He is an adjacent professor of creative writing and screenwriting at Collins College, Plano, Texas. Brian's educational background includes Master of Business Administration, Bachelor's of Science in Business Administration, and Bachelor's of Science in Social Sciences. Brian is a native of New Orleans, Louisiana, and currently resides in McKinney, Texas. Hello, Mr. Brian. How are you doing today? I'm fine. How are you? I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm honored to have you here today on Authors Excerpt Sunday. I wanted to, uh, what is it like to have that many books that you've written under your, under yourself and for others? How does that feel? It feels good. I mean, it's, um, it's been a long journey. You know, it feels, um, it's gratifying to be able to last this long in this industry because it's a tough industry. It's tough. Okay. I mean, it's, it takes, um, there's an old saying, it takes takes 10 years to become an overnight success. Oh, okay. You know? So what got, what got you started into writing mystery novels? Quite frankly, I just didn't see enough Black mystery writers out there. Oh, you know, you have Walter Mosley, he writes the Easy Rolling series. Um mm-hmm. You have James Patterson writes the Alex Cross series, but it's mm-hmm. about a black detective, but James Patterson is a white man. Mm-hmm. So okay. um, yes. I just, uh, I, back in 2012, when I started the series, Sleepy Caught a Mystery Series, Yes, I thought, um, I had already written, I guess, about seven or eight novels. Mm-hmm. And I, I just felt it was time to do something a little different. I still write contemporary fiction, Mm-hmm. But um, I just thought it was it was important for me to travel down a road that not many other people were was traveling. Um, yes, sir. Go against the grain, you know. Yes, sir. Yes. Everybody sir. else is going left. I like to go right. Yes. So, what got you? It what what brought on this thing about your ghost writing, ghost writing for others? What what um. What was your catalyst for that? Um, I was asked to do it, um, I guess, about four or five years ago. Mm-hmm. Someone asked me, they had a book idea, and they asked me to write it. They, they had the idea, but they weren't, they weren't, they weren't, this person wasn't a writer. Okay. So um, I just wrote the book, mm-hmm. and... And then I put out there that I go through the book. Mm-hmm. And before I knew it, um, people yeah, were just all the 
knocking on the door and it's to the point now where you know I don't I don't have to advertise it, but I ghostwrite about at this point. I've cut back, especially since I started writing screenplays. But um this year I've already ghostwritten three novels for other people. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. So this thing about the screenwriting, mm-hmm. how did that come about, the screenwriting? Um I would get I would get asked a lot about my books being movies. Mm-hmm. And I have a lot of friends in this industry. Some are screenwriters. Mm-hmm. And they would often tell me, you know, Brian, you could do this. Yes. You know, you could do this. So I taught myself how to write screenplays, took some classes, um, mm-hmm. and the rest is history. And after once I became comfortable with it and um, thought I knew what I was doing, Yes. Um, I started a company called the Script Repository. Okay. Um, yes. In 2021. Mm-hmm. And since we opened in 2021. Yes. I've written 20, um, adapted 20 novels for authors to screenplays. Mm, okay. And those novels have already three of those screenplays have gone on to be optioned to become movies oh that's wonderful that's wonderful so, so what what advice would you give to someone if they wanted to convert their book to a screenplay what advice would you give them well if you don't want to hire someone like myself in the script repository then you need mm-hmm. to write screenplays um mm-hmm. it's a it's a totally different craft it's totally yes. different. It's totally different from writing novels. Yes. Like anything, you need to study your craft. Um, yes, sir. So you, I mean, people can you can you can take a stab at it, but you need to study it. And there's enough classes out there, uh, mm-hmm. tutorials. You know, you can do it yourself, but yes. it takes time. And, and it's one thing to write a script. Yes, but you you want to write a script that is going to be picked up by producers. So yeah, you know what I'm saying I can. Yes, I, I I tell people all the time I've I've driven a lot of cars. That doesn't make me a mechanic. You know what I'm saying? So yes, sir. Because you can do something doesn't mean you're going to do it right. Yes, sir. So, um, there's a lot of competition out there. So mm-hmm. if you're looking, if you don't want to do it yourself, if you don't want to take the time to learn the craft because you're still trying to learn the craft of writing a novel and you, mm-hmm. don't, you don't want the headaches of trying to learn a second craft, yes. then go to www.scriptrepository.com and yes, um, take care of it. In 90 days, scripts are done. The adaptation is done. Not only do I adapt the novel to a screenplay, but I write the treatment so they can be pitched to producers. And I also mm-hmm. provide, um, we're going we're gonna to start providing a a list of producers and showrunners that you can pitch your work to. Oh, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. I hope my audience of authors are listening Mm -hmm. because this is some good information here. Now we're going to get into this next, this, this topic of this new book. It is, it is entitled Voodoo, a sleepy Carter mystery Mm -hmm. number six. So, um, the synopsis of this book is uh, it is 
you want to give us the the backdrop of the synopsis for this book? Yeah, so the Sleepy Carter series is about a New Orleans detective. Who, yes. Um, the backstory is this: he is a New Orleans detective. He's the most famous detective in the history of the city's police department. Okay. And one night he gets drunk and he makes a wrong turn down a one-way street, and it okay. causes an, a car that's coming toward him to swerve and crash. Mm-hmm. In that car is a, is an elderly couple. Okay. They die. It's mm-hmm. three in the morning. He panics mm-hmm. and he flees the scene. Two mm-hmm. days later, Hurricane Katrina comes through New Orleans mm-hmm. and his guilt is taking over him. He's depressed. Yes. So he decides mm-hmm. to use the floodwaters as an excuse to just disappear. So the assumption by the police department is that their most famous detective drowned the way a lot of people did in Hurricane Katrina. So yes. for 10 years, he becomes a homeless man. He's living and he's, he's hiding in plain sight, grows a beard, mm-hmm. no one recognizes him. He's depressed, okay. et cetera. So what happens is after 10 years, he decides he's going to come clean and he's going to confess what he did to the daughter of the couple that died. The problem um, is that that daughter is now a police detective. Okay. So with that, mm-hmm. when he, to make a long story short, what he decides to do is rather than confess what he did, she's the only female detective in the, in the New Orleans Police Department. Yes. Um, she recognizes him when he approaches her as the man whose picture is all over the walls at her job. And she's yes. going to tell people that he's alive because everyone thinks he's dead. And mm-hmm. he, strikes, he strikes a deal with her that if she doesn't tell anyone he's alive, yes. she will, he, he will help her solve her cases. Oh, okay. And, and to make sure that he doesn't disappear and become homeless again, in, the, in her backyard is a garage that's her dad's old man cave. Oh, okay. He now lives in the, back, in the man cave behind the house. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like an apartment, she yes. brings home her cases, and he mentors her and helps her solve them. She takes them back, and she looks like the hero. She gets okay. what she wants, which is to uh-huh. promotion. Yes, and he, and he pays off what he feels is a debt that he owes to her. Okay, she still doesn't know he's the man who caused her parents to die. She has no clue, mm-hmm. and that's okay. the back, that's the backdrop of the Sleepy Carter Mystery series. Now, every book okay. in the series, every book in the series has a New Orleans theme, because I give you a little history lesson about New Orleans. The first book was called The Audubon Park Murder. The second book was called A Murder in the Quarters. The third book was called Passe Blanc, which is passing for white. That's a big thing in New Orleans. And the fourth fourth book is called Coffee, Beignets, and Murder. Okay. fifth book is called The Mardi Gras Murders. Uh And the sixth book just came out last week, and it's called Okay, and that right. that is that is how we get here today, which we're talking about. Book number six, yes, is has been adapted and is being pitched in Hollywood to become a television series. Okay, so who do you think is going to pick up this book for to make it a movie? I don't know. Um, so <laughs> the character I wrote, I wrote a movie. I co-wrote a movie called. Mm-hmm. And Premonition comes out this December. Okay. And in the movie, yes. um, we decide to 
make the Sleepy Carter character have a cameo appearance. Although mm -hmm. it's not, although it's not a Sleepy Carter book, it's a yeah. movie, and there's some detectives, and they're ha they're having problems ca uh, catching a serial killer. So they okay. call the most experienced detective that they know and decide uh -huh. to introduce the Sleepy Carter character in this movie. And in this movie, uh -huh. Sleepy Carter is being played by the legendary actor Bill Duke from oh. Car Wash, Predator. Um, okay. Back in the day, Bill Duke, uh, Minister uh -huh. Society. Bill Duke, yeah, playing, yeah. he'll be playing Sleepy Carter. Okay, all right. Oh, ooh, got me, got my ting, got my spidey yeah. senses tingling now. Mm -hmm. So, um, is it possible that you could read us an excerpt out of Voodoo? Yeah, uh, um, I'll read you an excerpt of Voodoo. So, yes. once again, he serves as this as this detective, Lizzie Silverman. Mm -hmm. He's 28, 29 years old. She's a young mm -hmm. detective. She's still considered a rookie. Mm -hmm. Um. And she's a woman, and these yes. men give her a hard time. Mm -hmm. So is her, he's her secret mentor, her secret weapon. And okay. they can't understand how this rookie is solving all these cases, right? Mm -hmm. So yes. in this case, a man, <clears throat> a man is murdered. Yes. And he's left at uh, outside of um, St. Louis Cemetery in New Orleans. Okay. Cemetery number one. And in New Orleans, that is where yes. Marie Laveau, the voodoo oh. queen, you may have heard of her, it may not, but um, in New Orleans, the woman who was considered the voodoo queen of New Orleans back in the 1800s is buried in St. Louis Cemetery, where this guy's yeah. body is found with his throat slashed and what's called a grigri around his neck. So as yes. I said, every book gives you not only a whodunit mystery, but a history lesson on New Orleans. So yes, sir. Yes, sir. with that as the backdrop, Lizzie brings home this case. Yes. And she presents it to Sleepy, and she thinks that she has found the killer, and he proceeds to tell her why she's wrong. She is the wrong person, and she needs to keep looking. And that's what I'm about okay. to read you right here. And it gives you a window into their mentor-mentee sort of relationship. It's yes, almost like a father figure at this point. So here it goes. I don't know who killed the victim, but I know it wasn't this kid. Sleepy, I spent three hours interrogating the kid and compiling the evidence. You just spent three minutes looking at some pictures and you're telling me he's not the guy. Sleepy grabbed the praline candy and took a bite. Uh-huh. Well, I think you're wrong this time. I have the evidence. Oh, really? Well, Hotshot, explain to me how and why a five-foot-six left-handed man who's fleeing a scene would pause to square up with a six-foot-two man when and then choose to slice his attacker's throat by reaching across his body to start the cut at the attacker's left ear. Also, mm -hmm. I need to know how the five foot six man could generate enough leverage from a standstill position to lodge the four inch blade of a switchblade knife into the man's neck and create a wound. Lizzie appeared flustered. Unable to provide answers, she tried deflecting. How do you know he isn't right handed? 
If he's right-handed, then the slashing motion from the victim's left ear makes sense. But I can tell from the photos of him that he's not right-handed, Lizzie. Lizzie picked up the pictures. She stared at them mm -hmm. so hard that she stared, she started to squint. Mm -hmm. um, sleepy. These pictures don't show whether the man is left-handed or right-handed. Yes, mm -hmm. they do. Sleepy leaned back in his chair again. His t-shirt with the rock and roll in there. Yes, he likes that kind of music. I can see mm -hmm. from his hair to his shoes that he's certainly going for the rocker look. The fact that mm -hmm. he plays guitar in a band is the icing on the cake for me. Lizzie's mm -hmm. face contorted like she'd bitten into a lemon. How do you mm -hmm. know he plays guitar in a band, Sleepy? Mm -hmm. When people first start playing the guitar, they often allow calluses to grow on their fingertips so that they can condition their fingers to play for the long run. Look yes. at this fingerprint card. Notice how the prints from the index, middle, and ring finger card looks different from those same fingerprints on the left-hand card? Mm -hmm. That's because when you play a left-handed guitar, the fingers on your left hand are protected by a pick, but the fingers mm -hmm. on your right hand are strumming the chords with no protection. Naturally, mm -hmm. a left-handed guitarist has more calluses on his right hand fingers. Sleepy pointed at the fingerprint card. The lack of details on the index, middle, and ring finger on this right hand fingerprint card are indicators that he's left-handed. Sleepy pointed mm -hmm. at the praline candy Lizzie was about to take another bite of and then gestured for her to the tray, sit it on the tray. Lizzie reluctantly followed this command. Now, close your eyes and imagine you have a knife in your left hand, Sleep, Lizzie. Sleepy watched Lizzie to make sure she closed her eyes. You're mm -hmm. approached by a robber. Are you going to reach across your body and start to slice from his left ear? No, Lizzie said defeatedly and opened her eyes. That wouldn't make sense. Let me tell you what else doesn't make sense, Lizzie. Sleepy held up a photo on the, of the murder scene. Where's the blood? I mean, I know it rained last night and some of the blood could have been swashed away, but when a person's jugular vein is sliced there, should be a river of blood. There's blood on his neck and his chest, but he's not sitting in it. This man was killed at another location. So mm -hmm. Josh Fitton is telling the truth. That's obvious, but you've got a bigger problem on your hand. Sleepy grabbed another photo of the victim and stared at it. He walked over to a desk, pulled out a magnifying glass, and then returned to his seat. After studying the photo under the magnifying glass, he handed it to Lizzie. Take a look. What am I looking at? Sleepy started pecking on his laptop. Sleepy, what am I supposed to be looking at? Lizzie, you see that necklace he's wearing with the tiny leather pouch that is lying on his chest? Yeah, what about it? That's called a gree-gree. What's a grigri? In Africa, the grigri was born for good luck. But when Africans were kidnapped from their homelands and brought here to be slaves in the 17th and 18th century, the grigri was worn for protection from evil. The slaves, especially those here in Louisiana who came from Haiti, brought the practice of hoodoo with them. Hoodoo, what's that? The original name of the melding of different African religious practices. The name changed mm -hmm. to voodoo over time. Anyway, mm -hmm. back to the Greek Greek. Slaves started wearing them for protection from evil spirits, primarily their slave owners. Mm -hmm. He turned his laptop toward Lizzie. 
This is a ground view of the cemetery on Google Maps. Point to where the victim's body was found next to the wall. Lizzie pointed at the laptop screen, right about here. Uh-huh. Sleepy clicked the mouse a few times to change an up-close angle to an overhead angle. He hovered the cursor over a white tomb. A caption appeared on the screen. Now read that caption. The tomb of Marie Laveau, Lizzie mother. She leaned back and started stared at Sleepy. Okay, okay, I'll admit it. Sleepy smirked. Admit what? Lizzie rolled her eyes, as if you don't know. Sleepy shrugged. A long sigh escaped Lizzie's pressed lips. I don't know a damn thing about this Marie Laveau woman. Lizzie, I swear, some sue me for being raised Jewish and taught to ignore anything or anyone associated with the word voodoo. Hmm. That's where this topic of discussion gets tricky. You see, to a segment of the population, Lizzie, the word voodoo, which originally was hoodoo, is a Haitian religion. It's rooted in the idea that everything is spirit. The primary goal of voodoo is to offer prayers and devotions to God in exchange for health, protection, and favor, much like every other religion on the man. To those who practice voodoo, the religion didn't get its negative stigma until it made its way to the United States via the slave trade, and slave owners denounced any religious practices rooted in Africa. Mm -hmm. Now, I know you're wondering why that history is important. Well, young lady, I'll tell you why. Sleepy repositioned his glasses on his face. It's important because you can't walk into an investigation centered around this topic with the same dismissive attitude as the white men who sullied the religion and didn't expect cooperation from people who still believe in it. Just because a topic is taboo to you, that doesn't mean it's taboo to others, especially here in Louisiana, which was the only slave state in the country that allowed slaves to fellowship and worship in their native customs. So you're saying slaves were allowed to practice voodoo? Allowed is a stretch. You've heard of Congo Square? Yeah, it's right there in Armstrong Park. Do you know its significance? Lizzie shook her head. She wasn't sure why she felt ashamed of her response, but she could tell from the disappointed look on Sleepy's face that her answer was unacceptable. Lizzie, Sleepy said in that annoyed tone Lizzie knew all you have, I know what you're going to say, Sleepy. I need to learn the city's history. Yes, that's exactly what I'm going to say. Do you think you could be an effective detective in New York and not understand the nuances of the people who live in the various boroughs? Do you think you can be an effective detective in Los Angeles and not understand the gang culture and how certain groups operate? New Orleans is one of the most culture-rich cities in this country. There are things done in this city that doesn't happen anywhere else. You must know your city's history to understand the reasons why people do the things they do. Congo Square is important because it's the only place in America where slaves were allowed to fellowship on Sunday to get together without interruption. They bartered, sang, danced, and practiced their native religion. Voodoo, Lizzie said, like a student who finally figured out the answer to a math problem. Yes, Lizzie, voodoo. Mm -hmm. Sleepy walked over to the refrigerator and poured himself some more milk. This crime took place in the treatment area, the Sixth Ward. Do you know why that's important? Lizzie shook her head. Sleepy sat down and continued. Lizzie, Tremay is the oldest African-American neighborhood in the country. 
Sleepy paused when he noticed the perplexed look on her face. What I'm getting at is this. The crime happened in the heart of some very prominent black landmarks in this city. And I don't believe that's a coincidence. Your victim is a black man who lives in the sixth ward. He's wearing a grigri, a symbol rooted in the voodoo culture. If you had to pinpoint a starting point for the voodoo culture in New Orleans, it would be in the sixth ward, which is where Congo Square is located. Rather than dump the body on one of the side streets, the body is placed along that long spot where Marie Laveau's, the voodoo queen of New Orleans tomb, happens to be located on the other side of the wall. Lizzie scoots back on, a, on Sleepy's bed until her back touched the wall. She looked completely overwhelmed by Sleepy's history lesson. Look, I know it's a lot, Lizzie, but this wouldn't feel like information overload if you've taken the time to read some of the books that I've suggested you read over the past year. If you stay ready, I wouldn't have to get ready, Lizzie said, sounding like a child who'd heard a parent's lecture one too many times. There is one good thing I've gleaned from these clues. What's that? You wouldn't, you won't have to comb the city looking for answers to this murder. The voodoo connection plus the lack of blood at the scene suggests he was probably killed someplace nearby. I suspect the evidence will keep you searching for answers within the fourth, fifth, and sixth wards. That's less than a 10-mile radius. Yeah, but that's still a 10-mile stretch. Where should I start? I'll tell you, but there are three things you must do, Lizzie. I'm listening. First, you need to release the boy. He's not your killer. I will. Second, you need to put in for a week-long vacation that starts after you solve this case. It's time for you to recharge your batteries. Lizzie waved off his comment. I'm fine. No, you're not. You've yawned three times since you've been in here. Yawns are the equivalent to a car's check engine light. Your body is trying to let you know that you're fatigued. A fatigue detective cuts corners and overlooks obvious clues. Sleepy pointed at the case file. You have enough experience at this point that you should have noticed some of the things I pointed out about the crime scene. You missed them because you're tired. Sleepy, I just don't want to look like the newcomer who can't handle this. You've already proved you can hang. Take some time off. Trust me. Hollis will understand. I will. I, you promise? I promise. Now tell me what's the third thing I need to do. The third thing you need to do is go see a, a lady named Guinevere Laveau. Lizzie wrote down the woman's name in her notepad. Guinevere Laveau is a descendant of Marie. So she claims, Sleepy said, not sounding convinced. And guess where she lives? In the Sixth Ward? Uh-huh. I believe she lives somewhere around Dumaine and North Villery Street. I'm assuming you believe she'll shed some light on this voodoo angle. Seems like the best place to start to me. Sleepy grabbed his half-eaten praline candy and took a bite. After all, she is the self-proclaimed new voodoo queen of New Orleans. That's it. <laughs> oh my goodness. Do you ever ever do uh have you ever turned any of your books into audiobooks? Yeah, well I haven't, but these books will be turned into audiobooks um next year. And oh, okay. I intend okay. to read if I can get better at it. If not, I'll hire someone. Uh-huh. Yes, sir. <laughs> okay, because you have a marvelous voice for voiceover. Thank you, thank you. You have a marvelous voice for voiceover. 
So uh, please turn this book into an audio book. Mm-hmm. You have a magnificent voice for the voiceover for it. Um, plus, I that I received that I, I um, it's something I've been and I've been putting off, but I've heard that enough. That I think God's talking to me. Okay. 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 I believe he. I believe he uses people to get get his points across, right? Yes, and, he does. And um, you are just another person that has said that, and um, I hear you. <laughs> amen. Amen. So, where do you have you have any future uh, future events coming up um, that you could tell? Yeah, well, um, so yesterday I was at the. Um, Tulasoma Book Fair here in Dallas, Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a it's it's held at the African American Museum here in Dallas, Texas every year. So I was doing that yesterday. Mm-hmm. My next scheduled public appearance is in September. Is in October at the Columbus Film Author and Photography Festival. It's going to okay. be in Columbus, Ohio. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that will be that'll be that'll be October fifteenth. So I'll be in Columbus, okay. Ohio, October fifteenth. That'll be the next public appearance. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Do you get a lot of those? A lot yeah. of, a lot of I'm, all, I'm already over, over. I'm I'm all over the place. Um, I, I see. I'm used to um. Well, things are starting to pick up. You know. Um, the pandemic shut a lot of things down. Before the pandemic, I was probably at well six or seven events a year. Okay, okay. Um, so it's slowly starting to pick back up because for for I mean from two thousand excuse me mm-hmm. a lot of these events went on hiatus. You know what I'm oh, saying? Yeah, you know, yeah, starting, they did. They're starting to come back alive, and 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 I get the invites, and if my schedule you know um, allows me to come, then I'll go. Yeah. Uh, okay. So you, uh, when you go to these events, uh, you know, um, how does that, how, you know, how do, I'm, I'm going to ask this for authors. For authors that want to go to events, what is the best way for them to go about that, to set up their events? Well, at this point in my career, um, I've been doing this for almost 18 years now. I'm blessed that I get featured author invitations. Mm-hmm. So, so when I appear, the travel, the hotel, everything's paid for. Okay. Yes, um, sir. But if you are not, if you're starting out, you mm-hmm. only want to contact the, you want to contact the host of the event. Event. Oh, okay. And you want to secure a table. Those tables can range from anywhere from 100 to usually $150. Mm-hmm. Um, I've heard over the years people complain about the events. I think a lot of young authors spend too much time and too much money on things that don't make sense. So they do book release parties and all this stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Business yeah. 101, if it don't make dollars, it don't make sense. Okay. I'd much rather you, I tell young authors all the time, instead of dropping seven, 
thousand dollars on a book release party because you're gonna go to a party, you gotta rent the venue, you gotta buy food, yeah. you gotta buy the mm-hmm. outfit, you gotta buy mm-hmm. book sell. Before yeah. you know it, you're a thousand dollars in the red, and you haven't yeah. sold a book at the party, right? So yeah, yeah, yeah. So I highly, rec- I highly recommend authors do their research, find at least two or three events that have mm-hmm. large um, followings and 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 pretty decent attendance. Yes. Chop that thousand dollars into three hundred increments and spend three hundred dollars securing a table in a hotel to go to those events. Yes, sir. Not only will you be selling books, but you're meeting readers from across the country who take your books and your name back mm-hmm. to their hometowns and their yes. regions, and that's how you build a following and a brand that is mm-hmm. far more productive than dropping a thousand dollars on a book release party. And mm-hmm. half the people there are just there to eat and party anywhere. They don't care about the books. It's a waste of time. Okay. So mm-hmm. you contact the host of these events. You yes, find sir. out what the fee is, the table fee, and you go about the business of investing in yourself by going to at least two or three um, good events every year. Oh, okay. okay. Uh, until you get to the point, and you know, um, like I said, after a while, what ends up happening after you establish a brand and you start moving units and your name mm-hmm. becomes more prominent, at yes. some point, the host will start contacting you and asking you to be a featured author. Oh, okay. When you get the featured author invite, ninety-nine mm-hmm. expenses associated with going to the event mm-hmm. are paid for. Oh, okay. I have a viewer says Charles McCargo says great advice, and he also says sounding good. Mm-hmm. Um, I have, uh, we have with that, it, it's very important that we as individuals, um, as authors gleam from others that are more experienced than us, because we don't, you know, as, uh, I've, I've been an author since 2017, I started a book in 2015 and um and I wanted you know I, I understand that I don't know everything. Mm-hmm. So with you appearing on the show, you're giving me a point of view of how to handle my next published book. <laughs> my next book that's come out. Instead of spending all that money and it don't all make that dollars. Money, you know, if it don't make dollars, it don't no, make it Yes, sir. Yes, everything, sir. Everything yes, sir. my background. As you said when you read my bio, so I was a businessman. I was doing the corporate America thing, and I have an MBA and all this other stuff, right? Yes, sir. So I was doing the business yes, thing. So when I came into this, I fashioned myself as a businessman who happens to write. I'm not a writer who owns a business. So everything okay. that I did, I kept the bottom line, and I just tackled this business from a business perspective. Too mm-hmm. many authors are so busy trying to be authors that they forget that this is a business yeah writing the book is half the battle yeah it's getting it out there to the public and telling people it's harder to sell the book than it is to write it so yes when you do and the moves you make need to be coordinated and they need to have for your madness 
And I just see a lot yes. of young authors just doing stuff because they think it's what they're supposed to do. Yeah. And I always tell people, I don't care, you know, um, to all the authors out there listening, I want you to identify your three most favorite authors. Mm -hmm. If you go in Barnes and Noble and you only got enough money to buy three books, most mm -hmm. people have their go-to authors whose book they're going to buy, right? Because they know that yes. they know that they're going to um, get their money's worth. Yes, I'll bet you everything I own that if that for everyone listening, your top three favorite authors that you yes. just love, mm -hmm. you know, they all have in common, along with being successful and selling books and bestseller lists. What they all have in common more often than not, they don't do book release parties. Those of us who have been in this business for a minute, we chuckle because you can always tell someone who's just starting because they're more, they're more concerned with the look at me moments and they don't spend enough time learning their craft and trying to sell a book. They like the photo ops. This is not about photo ops. This is about building a brand and you build a yes, brand sir. You build a brand by getting your book in people's hands. Yes, sir. Getting a well-written book in people's hands. So I encourage young authors, along with making sure that they don't waste money on foolishness. Yes, I'd, sir. Rather, I'd rather see you only for one big event and get a table and take the remainder of that money and go take some creative writing classes. Learn how to mm -hmm. write. Because at the mm -hmm. end of the day, that's really what's going to sustain you. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, you can't write. People are not going to buy your books. If they're poorly written, they're poorly edited, people are not going yeah. to buy your books. So yeah. I don't want to get off mm -hmm. my soapbox, but I just felt compelled to say that. Mm -hmm. because people, people need to hear. Um, it, 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 takes the the truth. it takes the truth. I, I believe in telling people what they need to hear, not what they want to hear. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. so, yes, um, sir. Yeah, so yeah, make sure you do that. Okay, Mr. Brown. So, Mr. Brown, it has been an honor and a pleasure mm -hmm. uh, speaking with you this evening. And whenever you have anything that you want to come and tell the audience about, you are welcome back at any time. You're welcome here. I appreciate anytime. that. Before we go, let me um, I'm gonna do two things. First of all, I want to thank you. Oh, you are thinking enough of me to ask me to come on. I'm very humbled and I appreciate you. Thank you so very much. You're welcome. Um, you just reach out to me if you ever have any questions. Yes, and, sir. And I got you. Um, as far as my books, if you want to get an autographed copy of my books, you need yes, to go to www.authorbrianwsmith.com. You can see it scrolling across the screen here. Yes, sir. If you are an author and you want your book adapted to a screenplay so that it can be pitched to Hollywood, I want you to go to my, my screenwriting, which is the second website that pops up here, www.scriptrepository.com. Yes. That um, my next book, I, I write mystery novels. I have a mystery series, but I also write standalone contemporary fiction novels. And my okay. standalone novel comes out on Christmas Day. And oh, it's, okay. called, it's called Leave. Okay. It's called Leave. Let me write that down. <laughs> Leave. It's about a squatter. Uh-huh. 
It's about a okay. squatter. It's about a young man who connects with an old army buddy uh -huh. and, invites yes, guy, and invites this guy to his house for the weekend. Okay. And the guy won't leave. Okay. It's called and okay. what you learn along with having this thriller, the suspenseful book, you also mm -hmm. learn a lot about squatters rights and squatters laws. And I think you'll be blown yeah. at the methods and the slick ways that this guy pretty much pushes these people out of their own house. Mm. So the book is called Leave. It comes out on okay. Christmas Day. And like all my books, you'll be able to find it on Amazon in ebook mm -hmm. and paperback. Or if yes. you want an autographed copy, you can go to my website, which is scrolling across the screen, authorbrianwsmith.com. Okay. All right, Mr. Brian. I have had a marvelous time. I know you have a busy schedule to tend to, right? <laughs> so thank you, thank you. I thank you so much. And I want you and all of my audience members to have a very blessed day. And thank you for coming on Arthur's Excerpt Sunday. Y'all have a blessed day now you're here. Bye, babies. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hello everyone, Sharice Johnson Moore here, your hope builder, lifting you out of your sorrow by guiding you to see the Christ within through scripture and practical applications. Yes, child. LBM TV has advertising spots open and we want you to join the family. You want to advertise your book trailer, your candle business, your writing business, your ghost writing, your uh, construction business, uh, your 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 home renovation business. We are here for you. We want to give you the exposure that you need in this season. So, if you are interested in advertising on LBM TV, just come and see me, Sharice Johnson Moore. You can reach me at I am Sharice at ShariceNJohnsonMoore.com and let's sit down and expose your business to the world. Okay? Come on now. Advertise. 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 everyone and welcome to LBM TV. I am Sharice Johnson Moore, owner and CEO of LBM TV. Here at LBM TV, our objective is to give you programming 
that will invigorate, motivate, and inspire you. Our programming will provide you with insight, in-depth knowledge, and solutions in your daily living. We can be seen on every smart TV, smartphone globally. We're located on C1 Media Smart TV app, Apple TV, Roku TV, Amazon Fire TV, Android TV, and Google TV. So get ready to enjoy a positive, uplifting program for your daily living here at LBM TV, where we care about you. Thank you. 